Well, so good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S., that's Kelly with an E-Y, and I am Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Today's Friday, December 21st, 2018. Today, we're reading from the big book. We are on uh, page XVII, forward to the second edition, first paragraph. Hence, the two men set to work reading through three paragraphs, ending with a new phase of its pioneering time, and we'll be commenting on all three. So our 12-step reader will be Marion H., 12 Traditions, Janice B., readers of the text, Jen A., Lauren N., Barbara E., newcomer greeter today, Deb W., host Chrissy G. So the reference numbers for yesterday, December 20th, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 12322, 12322, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 122324. 122324. Our OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marion H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marion. Yes, good morning. This is Marion H. Am I being heard? You are, Marion. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much for letting me do service. This is Marion H. from Boynton Beach, Florida. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to a care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Uh, thank you very much for letting me do service. Have a blessed and abstinent day, everyone. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Marion H. Um, I will now ask Janice B. to read 12 Traditions. And I just want to um, remind you guys that you don't have to ask if you're being heard. If you aren't, I will be sure to let you know. So I just appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Janice, you're up. Okay. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. recovering in Vermont. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Janice B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions and the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. 
We are on page XVII, forward to the second edition, first paragraph, where it starts there, hence two men set to work. We're going to be reading through three paragraphs, ending there at the bottom, a new phase of its pioneering time, and we'll be commenting on all three paragraphs, and I have asked Jen A. to begin reading. Good morning, Good Jen. morning, Kelly. Good morning, Kelly. My Good name morning. is Jen A. I'm a... I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from Littleton, Colorado. Hence, the two men set out to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. A second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. It was now time the struggling groups thought to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. The membership had then reached about 100 men and women. The fledging society, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous from the title of its own book. The flying blind period ended, and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. Um, Well, I think it's pretty cool. Um, They set out frantically, right? They're pretty excited to uh, share this message um, because we just read um, yesterday that strenuous work with one alcoholic with another is vital to permanent recovery. And they were out there, um, not one, but two, but now number three, Bill Dodson. Um, He was sober for 19 years before he passed away. And, um, you know, I love in here where it talks about there were many failures. And and we see failures. Um, We see things happen in the program of Overeaters Anonymous. But um, I always like how he comes back and says there was heartening success. And that's what we have to remember. Many will walk away um, with this um, knowledge of this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, and many will be successful um, in their recovery um, by the grace of God. And um, the coolest part here is is that um, I see this happening today in Overeaters Anonymous here in the state of Colorado. Um, my experience that I can share with you is that um, nine months ago, um, groups were formed here. Um, one group was formed in Golden, another in Centennial. Um, not more than 30 days later, another one in Littleton. Um, a month later, one in North Glen. Um, six months later, another one in Aurora, and just recently one in Monument. That's six group in six groups in nine months. That's God working. Um, that's this this book, this little chip of a book that people cracked open, and they found a solution. We found a solution, and we wanted to share it with others. Um, you know, it's just. It's so exciting. Um, they wanted to place this message in front of people in 1939. Um, you know, today it's 2018, and we're still placing this book in front of many. Um, I'm so glad that 
this, what I called this little blue book, which is now the book of Alcoholics Anonymous to me, um, was placed in front of me and was read line by line with someone in whom the problem had been solved. And so I just give gratitude um, to these men who started Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jen A. Um, so in case you're just joining us, we're on XVII, forward to the second edition, first paragraph. Hence the two men set to work, reading through three paragraphs, ending with a new phase of its pioneering time. And please don't ask if you're being heard when you're sharing. I'll let you know if that's not happening. And who would like to share? Siobhan C. Siobhan G. Darlin. This is Larry, Larry K. Barbara. Lance. Lance. Barbara. I missed somebody in there. Larry? I got you, Larry. I got Harlan. I got Lance. I got Barbara. I got Siobhan. Dossie P. Who is that? Dossie. 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 D as in dog? Yep. Dossie D? Sure. Okay. All right. I think that was it. So we'll just stop there. And if everybody can please press star one. Here's my lineup. Siobhan C., Harlan G., Larry K., Lance L., Barbara E., and Dossie D. Good morning, Siobhan. You're up. Siobhan, I can't hear you. Star one. Good morning, family. This is Siobhan C., recovered um, compulsive eater in five days as a result as by the grace of God in this line. Uh, visions. Um, so there were many failures. You know, there were there, and there was an occasional heartening success. Well, first of all, we know that there were. Um, you know, I mean, there's been many failures uh, in in the sense that I don't believe people. Okay. No one, it tells us on the first, very first sentence of chapter five how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. So I don't believe there are any failures. I believe there's quitters. And I um, was a quitter. I was a quitter my whole life on this book. So I never, I quit on myself. I abandoned myself, not to God. I just abandoned myself. I did exactly what had been done to me. I come from neglect. My mother's a hoarder. We lived in one room with hefty bags. My mother still saves the dust in a, in a storage unit in New York City. Uh, and um, that's her keepsakes, you know. So, I, you know, I was neglected. I wasn't fed. I wasn't clothed. I wasn't bathed. It was, you know... And I did that to myself, and I didn't do by not doing this the steps. So, and I knew that they worked because I moved, I moved in with a heroin addict when I was ten, and I saw that she got recovered. I just thought that it was a cult. I thought it was a religious cult, and I would rather die than accept God, a God that allowed me to get raped at four, four, and everything else that happened after. But I quit. You know how many people, I say yes to everybody because no one ever said no to, God never said no to me. Every single person who asked me to, to be their sponsor, I say yes. So I have like over 100, and I consider them my protégés, doesn't matter, but if they quit, and I can, can't tell you how many quit before the miracle. The miracle is step five. It says if you're relapsing on 73, having persevered, they want to 
with the rest of the program, they wonder where they fell. They only thought they lost their egos and they only thought they lost their fear, but they had not learned enough in it. from humility and I'm doing this from memory. That's what people quit before the miracle. There is such a miracle. Five days, I, I am, I, I am I, without medication, my depression vanished. Without medication, meditation, not medication. Meditation, not medication, my depre- severe depression. I have letters to prove it. Gone. PTSD, gone. Rapes, pillages, gone. In the army, gone. All of that, gone. Mental illness restored to sanity. I never knew sanity. Everything. This is such a miracle. No therapies needed. No life coaches needed. No machines and gadgets and diets and dietitians. Just these steps, 16 hours, changed my life. It took me, sometimes slowly, it took me 47 years Time. to Sometimes quickly. Thank you. Thank you, Shivansi. Next up, we have Harlan G., followed by Larry K. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Kelly, and thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Friday. Now we have two men, and the two men are Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, and the, the next one that they encounter this first case is going to be Bill Dotson, and Bill Dotson is going to achieve sobriety on June the 26th, 1935, and he will remain sober, bone sober, until his death in 1954. We have Eddie Riley, who was their first failure. Eddie Riley just didn't want what they had. But the story continues because when word of Dr. Bob's death got out in 1950, Eddie Riley will show up sober to Dr. Bob's funeral, much to the delight of Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob's children, along with some other people that had failed and come back too. Now, when we take a look at what's happening here, that the second small group promptly took shape at New York, We've got Hank Parkhurst, Bill Wilson, Fitz Mayo, Jimmy Burwell. And Jimmy Burwell is going to go out and he is going to start AA groups in both Baltimore, Maryland, and he is going to start groups in Washington, D.C. He was from Owings Mills, Maryland, and he started the first AA group in Baltimore, Maryland. Now you've got Clarence Snyder in starting a group in Cleveland. Clarence was the first one to really break from the Oxford group. So let's remember that at this time, we are not Alcoholics Anonymous as much as we are the drunk squad of the Oxford group. Now let's take a look at the third paragraph here. But before we do, we want to take a look that it says by late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the, excuse me, of the alcoholic. What was so special? What was happening? People were seeing demonstrated before their eyes that this could work. And then there were three things that they wanted to do. They wanted to start a group of missionaries that Bill Wilson was going to head up They were going to start a group of hospitals. There were chain stores coming in at this time. They were going to start a chain of hospitals that Dr. Bob was going to be in charge of because it was very difficult to get a drunk in the hospital. The doctors often had to lie. Thank God that the only thing of the three things that they wanted to do that actually came to fruition was the writing and publishing of this book. And this book, 
has changed more lives than anything we could point to in the world of addiction. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harlan G. Next up, we have Larry Kay, followed by Lance L. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kelly. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your service. You know, um, the uh, it's kind of interesting to me when we read, you know, the early history here. Bill and Bob, they really complemented each other. Uh, they balanced each other out. And, and had Bill been the, you know, the sole founder of AA, there may, you know, very well have been as many AA franchises um, as McDonald's franchises in the world. You know, that was, Bill was a very, uh, you know, ambitious uh, gentleman. But at the same time, if Dr. Bob were the sole founder of AA, you know, the fellowship, um, you know, may have existed. It may, it, may, it may not have made it out of Akron. You know, so both of these guys had flaws as we do on this line. And thank God for that. You know, had we made a, a tin god out of either one of them and placed them on a pedestal, I don't know where we'd be. You know, there's a problem with pedestals. I'm reminded, you know, there was successes and there was failures. When you put someone on, you know, on a pedestal, inevitably as a human being, they're going to fall off because they're human. But it's the person who puts you there that really gets hurt, probably. And I think there were successes and failures. I think, you know, people, there were some people that just weren't ready to follow a spiritual program of action, and that's okay. You know, they, they just weren't ready. Maybe they would be ready in time. Bill Dotson was ready. Um, and then there were other people that, you know, the message, even early on, before we had the 12 steps, it, it became watered down a bit. They were still trying to find their way. You know, and, um, and I think um, what, I, what, I, what I hear in, in these steps and what I can bring to 2018 is I need more, I need more tolerance and acceptance for other, you know, for other opinions and other experiences. It doesn't mean, you know, I can have respect and I can extend respect and dignity for other people's experiences. They're trying to find their way. They're trying to make it through just as we were. Nobody got here on a winning streak, you know, but I can have, I can, I can have differences with, um, with their opinions, but not reject them as human beings. I think that's a part of this here. I think it breeds success when we do that. I want to have more tolerance and acceptance of others. That's hard. That's hard, right? But, the, uh, but I think at times I can reject the person's opinion because I, I know what got me well and was following these instructions precisely, but I never reject the person because you know what? That God job, I'm, I'm reminded it's taken. And it was taken, you know, when Bill and Bob were carrying the message and it's taken today. I need not apply for that job. So, anyways, those are just some of my thoughts this morning. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Kelly. With that, I pass. Thanks for your share, Larry. Okay. Next up, Lance L., followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Lance. Good morning, everyone. This is Lance. I'm a recovered binge eater and compulsive dieter from California. And uh, thank you for being here and opening these lines. Um, you know, there's a basic message here that I see, and uh, it's no human power can relieve these men of their alcoholism. Um, they took this thing that they discovered, 
and they discovered it through a spiritual experience followed up by some medical um, knowledge. And they took this thing and they passed it from one person to to the next. And they did it with intensity and they did it with a lot of effort. You know, it was their only thing that they put full effort into because it meant so much to them at that time. Um, And of course, like anything, like any business, I mean, without failure, we don't gain success, but they kept at it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the type of person that when I fail, I jump onto the next thing. You know, every, every, every time I failed, we're trying to figure out this, this, dieting and this eating thing, I would jump onto the next thing. And, uh, you know, these are basic ideas. It states in the second paragraph, one alky to another alky. You know, we're achieving a spiritual remedy by sharing with people. You know, I, I, I was in the dark world of the alcoholic, you know, and the dark world of the alcoholic for me is, is resisting and limiting myself and trying to go to the lab and, and figure out the game plan behind why I eat so much and why I can't control certain foods. I, I was there for so many years. And, uh, you know, it, it's either share this message in the light or go back to the dark corners of my mind. And, you know, that's a toss-up for me sometimes. Sometimes my mind is uh, more willing to go back to those dark, lonely places. And, uh, you know, it's just as simply as helping another person. You know, that's how these things flourish, and that's how I stay sober today. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lance L. Next up, we have Barbara E., followed by Dossie D. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, and thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts today. I really related to the story of Bill Dotson found on page 182, because he, too, grew up in a a home that really was suffering from no particular trauma. He had just an affinity for alcohol. And I am the same way as he is. I woke up and came popped right out of my mom's womb and I said, feed me Big Macs, feed me donuts. I loved to eat. And yes, now as an adult, I do use food to self-medicate when I'm feeling emotionally unsettled, either overly excited or depressed. But I didn't start out that way just that natural affinity. And like Bill D, I would wake up in the morning and reach for the food that I'd hidden around the house. I had an affinity for it. I would search for where it was between classes in high school. I'd go to the rec room or my locker to look for my stash. I, when I grew up and eventually 20 years ago, started going to OA, there were very few people who were talking about the steps and the big book. It mostly focused on the tools. And slowly, very slowly, people started to talk about the 12 steps and the big book. And eyes started to roll. Why did we need this? 
We came in to lose weight. The tools were working. It's true we were dry drunks. I know I was. Hanging on, worried that I was constantly going to break out and fat again. Not sure how long I'd be able to hold on because I failed so many times in the past. But I've changed in the last 20 years. I began to say, well, let me see what this big book is all about. Let me see what the rest of the steps are about. Because all I've been doing is the one, two, three waltz for all those years. And gradually, and I do mean gradually, I began to realize what there was that was missing in my life. Signs of emotional maturity. I was still a child. Now, I take responsibility for my own life. I understand that my current circumstances are the result of decisions that I've taken up to now. When something went wrong, I don't today rush to blame others. And I do that imperfectly. Yesterday, I had visions like in Christmas Carol of days past. I could see I went to a lovely book club luncheon and I could see myself, oh, thank you. I could see myself easily sliding backwards. I can't go backwards. I must go forwards. I must go forwards with humor, approachability, and realistic optimism. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend, you all. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Next up is Dossie D, and we'll be opening it up again for shares after that. So good morning, Dossie. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, um, you know, I was just thinking about um, a couple things. So first, I feel like these passages all really um, emphasize what they'll talk about later in the book, which is the the absolute essential nature of 12-step work. You know, um, it's talked about throughout the book that action, action, action in this program is needed. Faith without works is action. You know, talk about earlier in these passages how, you know, they had tried to get recovered on spiritual means and it wasn't working. Um, that, that alone wasn't working. And so it wasn't until they went out and they carried the message and they were, you know, helping others that it really started to take place. And also, you know, just to remember that like what we have today, this formula was um, was was created at one point through divine inspiration, but it was also through experimentation, you know. Um, and eventually, they really saw that even though they did have some failures, that this formula that came through for the twelve steps in the program you know, it worked and it was something that could be replicated over and over and over again with other compulsive eaters. And, um, you know, it's, um, you know, we're, I feel really grateful today because, you know, people really, the pioneers really did the work to kind of, uh, fine tune the details. Um, but I really got that, that kind of, um, the hope and also, you know, that, that underlying urgency, the underlying urgency to to never return to where they were, you know, and having had a lot of relapses in this program, I've tried to kind of um, piecemeal my way through it and 
um, you know, would get recovered and um, the 12-step work would go to the side. But, you know, I've just come to really understand that it every single step in this program is essential. But, you know, that's why they have a whole chapter devoted to it. It's, I think in the first line of Chapter 7, it says nothing so much will ensure immunity from um, drinking or compulsive eating than another uh, intensive work with another compulsive eater alcoholic. So, you know, I, I really hear that um, outlined in these passages. And, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Darcy. Um, all right, so if you're just now joining us, we are on page XVII, forward to the second edition, first paragraph, hence the two men set to work, reading through three paragraphs, ending with a new phase of its pioneering time. Who wants to comment or read or whatever? Share. <laughs> Ramona Diane. A. Ramona. Melissa, Melissa C. Melissa C. Diane M. Diane M. Anybody else? Maureen H. Maureen H. Hudson L. Hudson L. Clarissa S. Clarissa? Is that what it was? Was it Clarissa? Hello, uh, Teresa. Teresa. Teresa, what was your last name? Initial of your first? first? L? Oh, I like Sam. Sam, Teresa S. Okay, well, let's just stop there. <clears throat> so if you guys can please press star one to mute your phone. And here's the lineup. I have Ramona. I didn't get the first initial of your last name. Melissa C, Diane M, Maureen H, Hudson L, and Teresa S. So, Ramona, uh, it's your turn. What is the first initial of your last name? Uh, Ramona A. A. Gotcha. Yes. Your turn, okay. Ramona. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And thank you all for service. This is Ramona in Vermont and a grateful recovered compulsive eater. I'm not not totally sure what I want to share, but I I listen to this and I see the failure and the success in in my life. You know, uh, I was following another diet, just getting into another diet when um, that failed, and I knew that I needed to work with the twelve step program because I'd seen that work in my husband's recovery in another program. And so I dived into that and did um, did recover, yes. And, and that was like 1990. Uh, and did the steps. I don't remember ever in where I was using the big book. I think this was when, you know, the OA literature was new. And so the groups were using the OA literature, at least where I was. So that, but then later there was a big relapse and then there was coming back and working the steps again. So, and when I I knew that I needed to uh, work the steps again, when I was told about vision and listened to this, and it was wonderful. So I did and have found 
recovery, a deeper recovery. And I think one builds upon another. You know, I didn't physically, yes, the disease is progressive, but I think recovery can be progressive also because I never totally let go. There was always something there that said, this is the way, this is the only way that has worked for me. And this was going through the big book. Even though I'd read parts of it before, it was a new experience too and a and a sponsor working through the big book. So there I think there probably are many paths to get here, but the steps, you know, as they're laid out need to be worked as they're laid out. And they do work. And I am so, so grateful for that. You know, I just and it wasn't just the food you know, even though I've lost all the weight, the other night or the other day I had, I don't know, many challenges during the day when I could have said I would have been off and running with the resentment and self-pity for a few days. And I just said, oh, okay, you know, what, whatever, and uh, could find humor in some of them, could laugh with people and just didn't let it bother me. Now, this morning I woke up and I wasn't in quite so good a, a humor, but it's still, I remember that and I remember that recovery. That was only from recovery. That was not, you know, not my time. Deal. Okay, so I gratitude to my higher power and to all of you and to Bill and Bob. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Ramona A. Appreciate your share. And next up is Melissa C. followed by Diane M. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, like, so we think, like, about these failures and successes and how, um, you know, sometimes it's a seeming, a seemingly failure, not not a genuine failure and um because i think about my own history in overeaters anonymous and you know i first came in it was like 28 years ago um and certainly people who were around then would have thought oh this poor girl add her to the list of failures you know and um and i love like add you know add the word yet to anything they haven't you know been a success yet they haven't gotten it they're not getting it yet you know and yeah because you know for me i hadn't done all those things that i was hearing other people did and so i was identifying out and the truth was i needed to add the word yet behind it like i wasn't eating out of the garbage yet you know i wasn't eating until i threw up yet and so the disease progressed and um and yet, um, thank God, you know, I had, I needed to go out there. I needed to do, like we say, more, more research. I needed to gather more data about the powerlessness of this disease. And what, you know, the other part I got from here was that what gave this, our group, this powerful group validity was that there was substantial recovery, that the numbers of people that were recovering were growing, and that they were recovered for more than just a week, you know, for more than just a month. They were, they had long-term recovery. And thank God for those people with long-term recovery, because when I came back in again, they were still there. 
You know, they were still there looking the same in those same normal sized bodies, saying the same strong message. And that gave me like, wow, this works. This isn't just a another quick scheme, you know, because that's what I had been doing all of my life, another quick scheme. And, you know, so when you lose a lot of weight, you know, and it happens real quick or what seems quick to people, you get a lot of, my experience, you get a lot of attention at first. And that's interesting. You know, people want to know, oh, my God, what are you eating? You know, and, 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 and then, but when long-term recovery, when it's substantial and you're doing it day after day, week after week, and they see you at event after event, and you sound healthy, you sound happy, you look peaceful, that's what gives validity to our you know, to our recovery way of life. And that's really how we carry the message. Thank you so much. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa C. Next up, Diane M. followed by Maureen H. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Um, I really just have a question. This was posed at a face-to-face meeting last night. Well, um, Diane, we what? asked questions in the second hour. Oh, I'm questions sorry. Are, I'm yes. Sorry. No, that's fine. Okay. Thank you, though. Did you no, have nothing to share then? Okay. Thank you. All right. Great. So next up is Maureen H. followed by Hudson L. Maureen, you're up. Can I be heard? Uh, Yes. Okay. Great. I wasn't ready. I was like, wait, I had three more minutes. Um, (laughs) um, Hi, Maureen H. uh, Compulsive Reader in South Florida. uh, Successes and failures and just piggybacking off of what the last speaker said, I mean, I don't know what is next for me. I don't have that clear picture of where my higher power is taking me, even though it's very frustrating and I always want that. You know, I want to control. I want to be able to see a clear outcome, especially when there's indecision or fear in my life or in my day. Um, But even this idea for, like, with the successes and failures, I don't know if it's really a success, and I don't know if it's really a failure because I don't see that next step yet. And it's there's a beautiful mystery, and and there's always always a very interesting story to see how the path went left and right and got me to where I end up being. And so there's a lot of like freedom and lack of judgment in that and a lot of um, opportunity for me to just trust the process, trust that my higher power is carrying me. Because I've had a very storied history in this program, and I thought I had it. I thought I had the success, and I thought I was recovered. And I got brought down again and again and again, and it's only just now that I'm getting in touch with what I hope to be, you know, I hope two two or three weeks ago was my last drink, you know. I hope that that's where I was because I'm in this new place and this new lease being turned over. But I don't know yet. But I do know in today, you know, Friday, I'm trusting the process, trusting my higher power, not making judgments on whether it's success or failure, but just keep on doing the work and doing what I'm I know this book has told me is going to get me what I know I want, which is a deeper relationship with God and a, 
and the obsession with food to just be down in bed. And so I'm in it, I'm working it, and I'm very happy to be here with all of you today. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Maureen H. Next up, Hudson L. followed by Teresa S. Good morning, Hudson. Good morning. Um, I'm Hudson L. in Missouri, um, compulsive overeater. Um, so this reading the forward in any book has never been my thing. So this has been um, somewhat challenging and, of course, eye-opening at the same time. Uh, this bit about... Um, how the groups started to form uh, was just kind of just it tantalized me today. I was me and a uh, friend here in our little town in Missouri um, are going to be starting a big big, big book OA group, um, and you know I say that with like excitement and of course some nervousness. But um, we're we're doing this thing, and today she's actually picking up the key to the church on this very day, and we're going to start this group um, first Wednesday in January. I've gone to some some local uh, OA meetings and announced the group. It's just all very exciting, and it's just part of what was set forth in the late 1930s in this country, and it's just it just feels so exciting that we. Um, will be part of that, part of that legacy, I hope. Um, I also wanted to say that, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm working a, a fifth step on fear right now, and, and what I'm coming up with regularly with this work is that, you know, that has been the number one controlling factor in every aspect of my life, whether it be uh, food, why I isolate, uh, why I seek control. Um, this program has done nothing but like opened my eyes and, and brought me to my knees, humbled by um, the reality of how I've been living thus far and humbled me by all the possibilities of the promises. And so... You know, even if I didn't have this disease, I would hope I would be sitting and 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 working uh, in in the steps because they're just they're just brilliant. Um, and so they gave me the courage to speak again today. There we go. All right. Well, with that, I pass. Thank you, Hudson L. Next up, Teresa S. Teresa, are you there? Press Hello. Star yeah. one. Hello. Hey, I can hear Hi. you. Okay. Hi. Okay. Uh, my name is Teresa. Um, I am an alcoholic and I'm newfound overeater, I guess, if that's the word for it. Um, I'm fairly new to these meetings. And I do have to say that I'm very grateful for everybody who speaks because, you know, it's I hear a part of myself and you guys. Um, I am familiar with AA in the book, um, but I've kind of taken it all for granted, I think, because this has been a solution to a problem my whole that I've known about my whole life. I can't imagine what this was like back in 1937 when it was starting, you know, and it was new and people didn't know about the tools that that were available. You know, I didn't always use the tools well. Um, like I said, I think I took it for granted because it was always, you know, it was always just there. It was known that it was there, but until you really start reading it and listening, 
and doing what they tell you to do in the order that they tell you to do it, you know, it just kind of, I don't know, it doesn't work <laughs> as well, at least not for me. Um, so in, once I stopped drinking and really working these steps, I still felt a little bit of like a hopelessness um, when it came to eating. And it was the same kind of hopelessness when, it, when I was drinking for me. So I happened to hear somebody speak about Overeaters Anonymous and it like a little light bulb went off. And I'm very grateful for that, for that person who had the courage to speak up about it because I'm like, I think this is me. And I like listening to what you guys had to say because food and I have a long history and it's definitely something that I feel is almost impossible to not be intertwined with my emotions and you know, so hearing that you guys can do it and that you're happy doing it and that there is a way, um, I'm just very grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Teresa S., for your share. We have time for a couple more shares who'd like to share. Carrie C. This, this is Janice Pam. Janice Janice, all right. That's who we'll do. Terry, Terry, is it Terry as in Tom? Yes, thank you, Joy. Okay, you're up, Terry. Thank you. Um, good morning. I'm Terry C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in New Jersey. And I'm driving, so I don't have my book in front of me, but the words that really caught me were um, something about darkness of, the, of alcoholism or alcoholics. And uh, that word dark or darkness, um, I remember hearing someone say once, you know, we all have this cloud over us when we come in, this darkness, and sometimes it's even physical for me. I can see, you know, and I know that it was for me, too. I, I, I walked in, and I had this, like, darkness to my face, to my eyes, you know, when you're when you're constantly living in self-hate and self-loathing, there's just, and, and just in bondage or this disease, there's just this darkness, and uh and I know that when I hear a newcomer introduce themselves on the phone, I am so hopeful that that darkness is going to disappear. You know, that heaviness, that heavy, heavy darkness is going to be lightened. It's going to be lightened, and, and literally and figuratively, we get the light. You know, we access God and we get the light. And um, sometimes on this meeting in the morning, I feel like an evangelist preacher, you know. I, I'm just so fired up by the solution. Um, I'm just so grateful that I can be sincere about it and that I know that I don't have to live in that bondage and I don't have to live in that, you know, um, that place where that I just judge me, judge you constantly now. I can just go to God. I can go to God even though my habit and thinking might go there. I can go to God, and, and the light will come. And the light will come. Thank you. Thank you, Terry C. Next up, Janice P.M. You're up. Yeah, well, good morning to you and everyone. My name is Janice P.M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. You know, I can identify with this story, um, you know, so much at this stage of my recovery. First of all, Bill and Bob were frantic. What were they frantic about? Well, they knew. They knew that they got recovered and it was a gift and they had to give it away for themselves, not to get other people recovered. 
not to have success or failure because that's not my job. Uh, you know, I just uh, got the gift and I'm going to carry the message. And like Bill D, he was in the hospital and he's tried, he tried to get recovered himself eight times in the hospital. Well, I wasn't in the hospital, but my, my uh, home was my, was my den. And of course, I try to get recovered by going to 90 meetings, you know, all those methods to do. And I couldn't do it. But the reason why Bill and Bob were frantic is because to keep themselves sober. See, that's the purpose. We, yeah, we want to give it away. We're, most of us are caretakers anyway. So we like to tell you what to do, or what to, you know, what plan to use, or how to go, what meetings to go to, what the sponsor should be like. Yeah, but no, the main thing is for me to get recovered, carry the message that, you know what, I was like you. They're not telling Bob what to do. I mean, Bill Dobson, how to do it. They're talking about themselves. So if I'm recovered and I found a solution through this book, of course, this wasn't written yet, but they found the solution in a power, you know, higher than themselves. This is what they want to share, the message that, yeah, I was like you, Bill. Yeah, I was like that. This is what happened. Um, never mentioning that you're an alcoholic, you should do this. It's what they tell their own story to Bill. And there's that famous picture that these two drunks, the recovered drunks, came to the hospital. And this is Bill Dobson in the bed. And he's listening uh, because, you know, your story, each one of you has a story. And I want to listen to your recovery, how you stopped and, and how you were so desperate. Please tell me, um, was so desperate and how you got the solution. Because like you, I tried everything. I, there's not a thing I haven't tried. I mean, from pills, my husband being a doctor, I could do anything. But I was so desperate, there was nothing left. And you know what? Until I found you people that are recovered in the fellowship, not just going to meetings and hear your problems because we all got them. And uh, that's the message that I was like you. This is what happened. Time. And this is what and I am today. And thank you much. And I'll pass. Thank you so much, Janice PM. We just have a couple minutes, and I just wanted to share real quick. This is Kelly S. Recovered in Oklahoma. And um, just piggybacking on what other people have shared, um, especially the whole thing about, you know, there were many failures and an occasional heartening success. <clears throat> and just grateful today that people, you guys didn't give up on me um, because I came in 30-something years ago. And I'm sure, like somebody else shared here, that um, I appeared to be a failure. And obviously, I wasn't willing to do the work back then. But grateful that, you know, there was somebody, um, I think, still on the line today who, who would send me an occasional text that said, don't give up. And I think that's important is that we don't give up on each other because we never know. You know, I've been around 30 years, and we call it the revolving door of OA. So people leave. They come back when they get desperate enough, when they get that gift of desperation, they'll start working this program. And so, and then as a sponsor, I have to remember that. You know, it's like I've worked with so many people that come and go and come and go or come. Or, and leave, and then I don't have a clue what's going on with them, and all I can do is carry that message to be that example. And it says down here that, that it's these members have substantial sobriety, right? And so I looked up sub substantial of considerable importance, size, or worth. And for me, what that meant for me is I needed to see you guys doing this for the long run. I've been around, seeing the pink cloud, 
seeing people high on this program, you know, proselytizing, getting on, being in the meetings, you know, having, you know, 30 days, 60 days, just rah, rah, boom, bah, you know, and, and I've done the same thing and then back out because it didn't really get that psychic change, you know, or I didn't. I can only speak for myself. So when I came on, I started listening to you guys, and I heard the substantial sobriety that you were doing this day in and day out for months and years, and you had my disease. And so all I can do today is stay a recovered woman and share this program and hope that the light will come on. And when that does, it is amazing, and it is such a gift. And with that, I will start to close our meeting. And thank you to everybody who shared <clears throat> today. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, December 21st, 2018, 12327. 12327. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, visionaries. This is Lauren and from New York, sitting in Colorado right now. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will disclose more to you and to us. Ask him for your morning meditation, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in this fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet, meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.